Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, and every week I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world with their work. The purpose of this podcast is to show you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. If you haven't already, come over and follow me on Instagram, which is kitty underscore talks, and come and join our Facebook community, Kitty Talks, on Facebook. We'd love to have you. We'd love to support you. If you are interested in uncovering your purpose and creating amazing life in alignment with your soul, then you're in the right place. So have a listen to this week's episode and please do let me know what you think. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a guest all the way from Maine in America. I have Whitney Vosberg. I hope I said that correctly. (laughs) And he has been introduced to me essentially by the universe. We have lots of mutual friends. And I always take that as a great sign that I need to interview somebody. And when I uncovered that Whitney is very much in the purpose conversation. I thought we had to get him on the show. He is the author, the co-author of two Work the Future Today books, and I'm going to get him to tell us a little bit more about those. He's the co-founder of a company of the same name. And essentially, it's a social venture offering vision, leadership, and solutions for maximizing personal organization and societal potential, which sounds incredible. So I'm going to get him to unpack that for us as well. But Whitney, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very excited to hear your story and your journey. So um, would you mind just presenting yourself, sharing a little bit about who you are and what you're currently doing in the world with our audience? Yeah, uh, I grew up around the world because my father worked for an airline. So I have a world of experience having lived in America, Japan, Holland, England, and India. I currently uh, live in uh, Berkeley, California, near San Francisco. And I'm talking from Maine because that's where my wife's family's from. And uh, I uh, come from a creative background. My uh, dad uh, was a consultant. My mom uh, is an artist, and I ended up doing both and much more. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the time, I went from being a, an artist to a designer to an art, art director, creative director, branding consultant, executive consultant, brand strategist, interim VP marketing, chief marketing officer, starting first with Silicon Valley startups to mid-sized companies to Fortune 20 companies. And along the way, I went to divinity school in search of answers I wasn't finding in the artistic world nor in the uh, corporate world. And uh, wrote a a book on um, building community in the second half of life. Mm -hmm. I met my co-author, Charlie, and wrote two books called Work the Future Today. And... uh, here we are now. And can you describe to me, like, 
it sounds like you've had quite an incredible journey. So obviously going through the corporate channels initially. Um, how did you know when to move? Like, how did you know when to shift career, shift job? You know, have you just kind of tuned in along the way? Because obviously most people listening to this podcast are working out what it is they're supposed to do. So any advice you can give around that would be really helpful. Yeah, uh, I was basically unemployable uh, for most of my life, which meant that everything I've done has been project-based, uh, right. either, either as a, an artist, a traveler, a pilgrim, a professional. Uh, everything you know has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, so that I, I, I take a look at my adult life as a portfolio of learning and earning uh, possibilities. And what is it that I need to earn? And what is it do I, that I need to learn? And so I'm always looking at uh, my personal life, spiritual life, artistic life, professional life, uh, and saying, oh, okay, so if this is my glass of life, mm-hmm. What are the important larger stones that I'm going to put in? And then what are my medium-sized pebbles that I'm going to put in to fill in some of the the, um, empty spaces? And then what is the sand, the details that help fill up the glass, the spaces that the large and medium sizes are? So it's, it's a sense of what is important now, soon, later, and much later. Uh, in terms of if I am a spectrum of personal, spiritual, artistic, professional, and other um, bits and pieces, how do I bring it all together as a coherent whole in the best way possible in that I have to, I want to do certain things, I have to do certain things, I could do certain other things. So what is the best moving forward based on my North Star of purpose of what are asking and answering the question, why am I here? What are my unique gifts? With whom do I share them for the maximum benefit? Where do I find them? And how do I best serve them? And how did you come to that place? Like, because obviously the, now the work that you do is very much around, let me read this strap line because I thought it was really powerful. Essentially, it's maximizing personal organization and the societal potential, which I think is fantastic. Can you talk to me about how that was born? Yes, uh, I have always been a, uh, I'm not religious, but I'm um, a spiritual seeker in that we're we're all unique and that makes us all the same Mm -hmm. because we're all part of a much greater whole. And since we are, one small speck of the universe, but the universe is magnificent, we're all truly magnificent. So that each and every single cell within our organism, uh, our body, and you can think of that as sort of a microcosm of the world we live in, that we're all these cells within a, a larger indivisible body. In other words, we're all one, we're all connected, Mm-hmm. Whatever we do, we do to ourselves and we do to one another. There, there is no difference. We are all just part of a spectrum. 
-hmm. Having worked my way through all kinds of different um, professional scenarios as a freelancer, as a consultant, as an interim executive uh, for a wide range of uh, uh, businesses, institutions, organizations, um, nonprofits, and, and having grown up around the world, uh, I have a, uh, an outsider perspective because I never belong to any one place or any one kind of, of people. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of felt at home nowhere, but felt at home everywhere. So that I, I noticed the, yes, the differences, but more importantly, I noticed the similarities, the connective tissue amongst people, communities, corporations, organizations, governments, countries um at the end of the day we're all much more alike than not we have the same basic needs we have higher aspirations and they're all more similar than not but it it's it's the expression of those uh, aspirations that where we vary that what makes us unique and since we're unique we're all the same because we have all of us at least one if not many more unique gift to share with ourselves and one another. Mm. That really echoes what we talk about on this podcast because I am a student of Dharma. I think we touched on it when we spoke mm -hmm. previously and obviously the Vedas tell us that we are completely unique, as you said, and we've all got a gift. We've all got passions that are our breadcrumbs to our correct path in life. And then when we utilize those unique gifts and talents and it's in service to others that we come alive, but also we find the path that we're supposed to be on. So right. I really like obviously what you're talking about. Um, so how do you, how do you unpack this with organizations? Cause I know you go into organizations and work with them. Yeah. Uh, it, being a professional outsider, asking very simple, but very hard to answer questions why are you here gathered? What is your purpose? Why did you start the company? How does that ex uh, expression of your original purpose live out today? And how mm. will it live out tomorrow? What is your gift? Who most benefits from your uh, product, service, solution? Where do you find them? How do you best serve them? So it, having worked with so many different large, medium-sized, uh, for-profit, non-profit organizations, companies, what have you, mm. I noticed that there really are only two kinds of units in life. There's a person mm -hmm. and there are people. Mm -hmm. So it's either one person or two or more. Everything else are details. There is, yes, there's complexity, there's size, but... Ultimately, either you have a, a solo person or you have a group. And further simplifying that, organizations are either startups or restartups. Either that you are starting out on your journey and you hope that they have a clear sense of, of purpose. You know, why are we gathered here now to do what, how, for whom, in what way, with a gift of being this or that. So it's, you know, why are you starting the business or why did you start the business? And the older the, the organization or company, typically they forget why 
the founders started the company. So they have to go back to that original purpose and revisit it and then refresh it, make it contemporary, make it appropriate, make it relevant. It's people and organizations all too often forget who they are. What moved them to start something that was important enough to actually start it and keep it going? You know, and it, it can be a community, it can be a neighborhood, it can be a government, uh, local, regional, national. Um, it's all the same. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because obviously when people start businesses they're driven by that original motivation and then of course five ten years down the line they're so bogged down in the operational side the running that like you said they lose touch with the original purpose um and we talked a little bit about um how businesses are needing and need to evolve effectively how kind of old paradigm values won't necessarily work in this new world that we're building um so can you give me an example of somebody you, I don't know if he's confidential, but is, as much as you can, where you've helped refresh values or refresh the purpose? Because I, I see a lot of, um, of my old world and it's still very profit driven oh, yeah. and not a lot of people, people driven or any other higher reason. And I keep you know, thinking, mm, you're going to really have to evolve because you know, the younger generations don't want to work for companies like that. Well, not only do they not want to work for them, they don't want to uh, buy from them or invest in them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I predict that uh, in 10 years or so, uh, if you are not demonstratively a purpose, positive, impact driven company, you will be out of business. Wow. Fantastic. So how, how does somebody, maybe someone's listening to this and they know that they're kind of lost touch with the purpose of their business and in itself, they've lost touch with themselves. Cause I always think that everything's a mirror. So, yeah. you know, if you've lost touch with your business, you've probably lost touch with who you are and what you want to be yes. doing. So how could somebody listening to this podcast, um, effectively get back in touch with that? Well, uh, when I was, um, uh a branding and marketing consultant, interim uh, marketing executive with Silicon Valley startups. Um, back of the dot-com boom, I would uh, work with founders, owners of startups. And I would say, do you have a business plan? No. Oh, okay. Well, we'll take care of that later. Do you have a life plan? They look at me like, what? I said, well, you own the business, right? Yeah. Well, the whole point of the business is to reflect your personal purpose, personal purpose, business purpose. Beautiful. So in order to have a business plan that is fully representative of you and all that you aspire to become and to express and bring to the world, you have to know what you are about and what your life is about and develop that into a life plan. So you go from life plan to business plan so it is your personal purpose as the founder of the company to inspire to lead the company because as the head moves the body follows mm. yes and i've heard the saying as well that um, generally the consciousness of the business owner will be to the point that the business can progress 
Yes, because uh, the personality, the the passion, the purpose uh, of the founder or founders determines the culture. And the culture, you can take away the leadership over time, but the culture will remain. Super hard to change the culture. It's easier to, in that case, dynamite something and start all over again than to try to fix it. Mm. So you would typically then take a business owner and then look at their life purpose and what they're looking to achieve. So would, would, would that be around, you know, selling the business or how they want to contribute or all, all of the above? The last question would be, what's your exit plan? In other words, do you plan to sell the business? Do you plan to leave it to your heirs? Do you plan to mer- sell it, merge it, um, take it public? You know, whatever. Um, but that's the last question because that's the least important question. Because um, that's just about money stuff and whatever. People might say, oh, that's important. But no, it's not so important. It's to take a long journey back to where they came from, where they are, where they could and should go as people, mm-hmm. working backwards, helping them figure out how to get there, develop a North Star based on their purpose, their passion, their personality, their principles, also known as values, what value they hope to bring into the world based on their unique gift or gifts. And, and so develop that into a statement of purpose, a statement of passion, a statement of principles, so that bringing these three things together, this is my pathway, my life path, guided by North Star. And of course, it's not a straight line. At best, life is a zigzag. You hope that the average of that zigzag is in the direction of your North Star. Mm-hmm. That is a truly successful path, which is something like this. The main important <laughs> thing goes in that direction as opposed to that one or that one. It's not linear. <laughs> yeah. It, so it's based on, on listening to the nuances in their life stories, listening for, uh, for nuggets uh, of insights, uh, of, of examples that um, truly bring that person uh, alive. Well, I was just thinking, let, let's, let's, I want to add as much value as we can for our listeners. So um, how, let's, can we do that exercise between you and I? So the listeners can listen and hear how you would work with an individual and effectively then they can listen for their own insights when we're going through the process. We can try. Let's go. Let's go for it. See what, see what happens. So you would like me to ask you questions? Yeah, I think so. Because I think I was thinking, I'm thinking of a way that we could do this. So it adds as much value for the people listening. So if we, I've never done this on media before, but we'll give it a try. <laughs> it just popped in my head. <laughs> yeah. So Katie, going back through time, what is the first memory you have of something that brought you immense joy? Immense joy. Oh, mine would have been sport, leadership, running, um, captaining games teams, 
playing sport and at that team environment. And, and what was important about the, the team environment? Camar- camaraderie, com- slight competitiveness, <laughs> um, belonging, community, yeah, all those things. And how did you discover that? How did I discover that? I was always quite good at sport. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't particularly academic. I wasn't particularly uh, arty, but I was good at sport. Give me a ball and I would, you know, I could throw it around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, what did you learn uh, by being part of a team and, and being a, a, were you a team captain? Yes, I was sports captain. All right. So what did you learn as being a member of a team and being a sports captain no the team um wasn't ever bigger than the than than the individuals in it it was like it was all about the ecosystem within the team Mm -hmm. you know the stronger that we were as a team the better we worked together Mm -hmm. so it was about fostering and nurturing people within that team so we all did well one of the things i loved to do was i was a cheerleader of everybody i probably had the loudest voice so that's maybe why I got the team captain job <laughs> and uh and you still have the microphone t- to this day <laughs> yeah I love to empower others yeah and, and, yeah and lead yeah and what did you do um with the quietest uh, most uh, introverted of your teammates get to know them lean in how did you uh, how did you help them discover their own um, magic? Point it out to them and and so you're in this uh, team environment uh, you're a team member, you're a leader of the team uh, you're a, an agent of change um, you're a team builder um, how did that translate into university, your university experience? did a psychology degree. Um, and then How people think, think and work, work coexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the bit so, I really liked was the performance aspect of it, like getting people to be happier and perform higher. So you were interested in, in um, people's motivations. Mm-hmm. And, and and internal worlds mm. and and uh sounds like uh working with people's internal worlds uh and their external aspirations and performance yep and uh and what is it that you do today <laughs> well i I did. I did do recruitment next. That was the ne- the thing I did after working with people, helping working. them achieve their goals, as well as uh, those employers. Yeah, matchmaking. Yeah, and connecting, and and I built a lot of communities. I built um, networking communities within the corporate environment, and and now, as you know, I have the network with Marsha, right. and I built yep. personal development communities and transformational communities. Right. And I have have my Dharma community, which is people who are committed to changing the world by living their dharma. And, and so do you see any continuity and connection between uh, what you did at, in your, your team uh, 
to what you did at university, to what you did uh, in your earlier employment, and to what you do now. Yeah, that's wow. And I've got really good goosebumps. <laughs> I'd never thought about it in relation to where, when I was young, I knew sport always bring, brought me joy. But when you asked me that question, yeah. I got a flashback of the, that environment. I loved it. Like, you know, all of us together on the same team, working towards the same thing. Like, it just lit me up. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I've never, yeah. I've never put that bit together in right. relation to, yeah. yeah. So, so this is just a, you know, a, a tiny sliver of, of the kind of work I do with um, people who want to be their own leaders. Mm. And it doesn't matter. It, you have to be your own leader to be leader of one. If you're a leader of one, others can choose to follow you. But you cannot truly lead unless you are, have found and are following your own lead. Mm. So for people listening, because I want them to now repeat this exercise, if you're listening to this podcast, really the key thing is to think about when you're younger, what it was. Like, you know, if I think about this now, it's making a lot of sense because like one of the guys on my Dharma community, he absolutely loved it and adored art when he was young. Mm-hmm. And of course got told by school um, careers counselors that that wasn't a career mm-hmm. and got into film production because um, that was kind of a, you know, it was still of interest to him. Films were of passion to Theater. him. Yeah. Expression. Yeah. And, only, and only now later in life has he come back to the art because he's mm-hmm. now believes it is possible to be a career. So, so for, for our listeners, where was it that you when you were younger, you had this sense of joy and that, what I would, that totally correlates with what I talk about because obviously joy is a very high level emotional state, you know, where, your bliss, you know, where is mm-hmm. it that you feel connected? And then that usually translates through, would you say? Or it, it should be translating through? Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a fourth generation artist. Uh, so art was something that was just in the, in the air in the water, so to speak, with my family. Um, funny enough, because it was sort of the, the family business, I never thought about it as being a career. I just thought of something that people did. Wow. So I, did, I didn't even study art when I, uh, I didn't do art O-level or A-level. Um, and perhaps because I never did studied art um, as a child, especially as a teenager, I didn't have anyone to tell me, no, you can't do that. I, I would just do it on the side. Um, but I was always interested in exploring the world by observation, by trial and error, by taking things apart, putting them back together again, uh, just really trying to make sense of why is it it or that the way it is. <clears throat> and it, basically through my career, it's only recently that I've come to realize that um, my career has been based on being an outsider perspective, uh, having an outsider perspective mm-hmm. uh, with the, the interest, uh, the, the, the fascinating interest and curiosity to ask why. Mm. And just with, with, with regards to the art, that's interesting for me that you never even thought of that being a career. Yeah, so your, yeah. your belief system told you that that was just something you do. You don't, you don't make it. So yeah. that, that was in your beliefs that you couldn't make a career out of it as well well it never it, it, it i didn't ha- never had no uh, or yes it just it just never occurred to me it was uh you know 
and when I was turned 20, I started painting. I eventually did go to um, uh, St. Martin's in London, Parsons in uh, New York, and various other art schools. Um, got a degree in um, graphic design and worked as a graphic designer, art director, creative director. I've been painting and creating my whole life. Um, and uh, after the dot-com bomb in 2001, I uh, rented a studio and, and painted and had a uh, gallery career for pretty much the OOs. Um, had over 100 shows around the world. And then one day I just realized that I didn't want to make stuff that was going to be hung up in, on the wall of somebody's shop, you know, art galleries. And that art was a uh, spiritual expression for me, a form of journaling. And it was a gift that I wanted to give, or I wanted to give to uh, without a, a price tag attached to it. Okay, interesting. So you've got many spring, strings to your bow by the sounds of things. Uh, yes, uh, uh, I'm uh, very I'm good at many things, and um, well, I'm a generalist anyway. <laughs> so, any any other advice for our listeners um, around how they can uncover and tune into what they? Yeah, here, here's an interesting one. Uh, you never know what you are actually looking at, listening to, experiencing. Um, Things are never what they seem to be. Uh, for example, uh, I live uh, in Berkeley in a place called Holy Hill. Why? Because there's the Graduate Theological Union, the world's largest um, graduate theological uh, group of um, seminaries, theological schools, and what have you. Uh, I live two blocks away from it. So, and I've never been religious, um, but because I've lived in that neighborhood, for over 20 years, and students study. Uh, and in Berkeley, we have a, a, a cultural trait called free cycling. You don't need it, you leave it on the street corner. Somebody comes and picks it up and uses it. So for decades, I picked up all these interesting philosophical, ethical, cultural um, books and would read them year in, year out. And when I turned 50, my kids moved out. I looked in the mirror, said, who are you? Um, I started my sort of midlife um, quest for meaning, purpose, clarity, uh, connection, community. And long story short, uh, I ended up going to divinity school two blocks away from me. But it wasn't until years after I graduated that I thought, oh, it all started with those books on the corner that I would read and that my little Library is filled with all these different spiritual, philosophical, ethical, and so on uh, kinds of books. So my journey to divinity school started 15 years before I even started thinking about going to divinity school. You never know what that is. It's Mm -hmm. like a Pandora's box, but a very positive one. You know, Mm you take that box and you go, you don't know what you're looking at. Mm. Well, I suppose the true thing is, does it bring you joy? Like, is it exciting to you? Obviously, you were just enjoying reading those books. You didn't have to know where it was taking you, but you were just following that yeah. kind of excitement. Well, I was never, um, I was always uh, fascinated, uh, interested in the dynamics of the business world where so much happens. Um, but I always knew that, uh, you know, capitalism has been practiced for several hundred years. Um, 
has taken many of us far, but it's not going to take us any further. And that the old story of profit first with its focus on extraction, exploitation, and on the shareholders coming to an end. Uh, in that we have this new emerging story of purpose first with mm-hmm. a focus on addition, regeneration, uh, and with a focus on stakeholders. So that we're going from you know, the old triple bottom line of profit, people, planet, to flipping it to planet, people, profit. Why? Mm-hmm. No planet, no people. No people, no profit. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the moral of the story for our listeners is basically we, we talk, we call them breadcrumbs. You know, if something excites you, go towards it and just check it out. Like I was coaching a girl earlier and she was saying, I just love dancing, but I just don't know where it's going to take me. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> you don't have to know all everything, you know, your job is to just follow what it is that you really love. Um, yeah. It, the, the really big thought is that most of us don't know ourselves. We are not intimate with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We got all this going on mm-hmm. and we got, you know, spending much too time on, on this and on, on screens and um, whatever um, is that we need to turn it off, slow down, go inside, become intimate with ourselves, our true selves, especially for men of going that longest distance of the 18 inches, half a meter, because uh, I'm thinking in U.S. inches, 18 inches, uh, you know, that longest distance of the 18 inches, the half a meter from head to heart. Yeah. And then from the other half a meter from heart to hearth, our gut, mm. which is our connection, you know, our umbilical cord to the universe. Mm. So we have to s- stop our usual nonsense slow down Mm. go inside and spend time quality time with our true selves to be able to slow down and to be able to listen to the quiet but ever-present yearnings of our soul our spirit our chi our prana our life force whatever you want to call it that's where all the answers are Mm. and the more you can connect your head you know, your, your uh, intellectual intelligence with your heart, your emotional intelligence, and to your gut, your intuitive intelligence. Mm. It's our intuition that goes, ties the head with the heart and with the world we live in. Because we have far more um, different sets of intelligences than we think we do. Yes, and I think you're right. Most people are taught to look outside of themselves. So we're taught education, which is outside of ourselves, geography, history, maths, English, you know, and then we get to a certain point and we don't really know ourselves. We don't know what it is that, who who we are and what we love and what we enjoy. And um, I think it's happening younger and younger, actually. I think it historically was a sort of midlife thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think now it's happening younger and younger. But whereas... I think younger generations are committed to only working for organizations that have these higher values or have a purpose and have a difference and it's alignment in alignment with who they are and what it is that they want to achieve. So I'm hoping that it's evolving and it's changing. 
Well, I've seen a change in, in my, I have two uh, daughters uh, in their 30s. Uh, my eldest went to art school, became a graphic designer. Uh, fifth like generation artist. Yeah, fifth, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she said, Dad, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm a green graphic designer. Wow. And there's the generational shift because traditionally graphic designers uh, created, you know, paper-based products. Mm-hmm. They end up in the landfill. And she said, I don't want to do that. Yeah, good for her. Good for her. Fantastic. So what's next for you, Whitney? What's next for me? Uh, I am working on my, I'm nearly finished my uh, first uh, solo book, having co-authored the two Work the Future Today books. And it's called Brand New Purpose, Turning Gray into Gold. Beautiful. Beautiful. And um, when will that be out? It'll be out in the autumn. Great. Fantastic. And how can people find you? So people listening to this podcast, they're interested in you. How can they come and connect? Well, uh, website is www.workthefuture.today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two Work the Future Today books are available on Amazon. And you can find me on Twitter at Brand Guru. Brand Guru. I like that. Well, we will have all of Whitney's details in the show notes. So you're more than welcome to connect with him. Thank you so much, Whitney. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's really fascinating. Fascinating to hear your story and how you tuned into what you're doing today. And I totally agree with you. You know, without the planet, there is no profit. And, you know, the sooner people wake up to the fact that actually this is all about purpose and the planet and less about profit, just in a certain order, the better. It, you know, it, it boils down to this. How can we become ever better together? Yes. If we can't celebrate our differences, we won't be able to make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will see you next week with another amazing guest on Kitty Talks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Kitty Talks podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode and I too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life. You know, all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition. They will be created. You are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught. If you want some help and support, come and join us, doyourdharma.co.uk. Apply now. We're taking applications and we're going to help you support you creating a dream life. This is why you came.